Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me on the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast. My name is Luke Staten. The reason behind this creation is to share words of wisdom, hope and optimism through conversation that can show us just what's possible in life. I've been truly inspired by the words I have not only listened to, but deeply heard from the people I've shared conversations with. I hope you enjoy hearing how everyday people overcome trials and tribulations and when faced with adversity, find a way to use this to their advantage. Common theme throughout, from all the different guests on the series, from wherever they are from, whatever beginning, whatever background, is they all have a desire for more from life. They all want to live a life of fulfillment. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I do creating. Thank you for joining me. Just before we get into it, I just want to introduce this great human being. And the reason I introduce him as that to start because this isn't about what people do, what jobs they've got, what careers they have. This is about the people behind the professional. This is about the person that's gone to somewhere special. And tonight, I'm really excited to introduce James Sanders, who I've become really close to over the last two to three years since I had the, the good fortune to work with himself very closely in his company, PSR Solutions, a recruitment business um, that specialises in construction and healthcare. And we'll talk a little bit more about the business a little bit later. But tonight's all about James because it's one of them guys that when I asked him to come on his programme, he said, Luke, um, the only thing I'm concerned about is why do you want me on the program? Like, you know, why, why do you want me on there? Do you think they'll be interested in my story? And I'm like, James, you know, I think you totally underestimate how well you've done, how far you've come. And I've got to learn more of this story. And I found that with most of the guests, when I've asked them to come on, they've been so surprised and shocked and very humbled that I've asked them to come on here and share their story. Um, and I think that's a great quality of a human being, a great quality that it's not all about look at me. It's about what they've produced behind the scenes, too. And James is a very private guy. And I'm really, really honoured that he decided to come and join us. So let's give him a big round of applause, guys. Big round of applause. Welcome, James. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Luke. I must say from the start, I'm in a three star hotel in Keyfley, where let's just say the Wi-Fi is not exactly super fast broadband. So if we do have any difficulties in hearing me, just, just shout up, I suppose. That just means James has gone to watch the goal that's been scored under football or something yeah. in the background. Yeah. 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 So, James, we, can, we yeah. can start there, actually. So tell us why you are in a hotel in, in is it Bradford? Is it on the outskirts yeah. of Bradford? Yeah, Keith, Keith leads about 15 miles up the road from Bradford. Um, yeah, so we acquired a, a business called SYK. Um, recruitment specialist, um, 2nd of March, uh, the transaction went through uh, and it was a completely new field for us. I've just known construction recruitment for best part of 20 years. And this is, um, they operate in the healthcare sector out of one office up in Keithley. Um, and um, hence why I thought um, it was our first big acquisition. There was 20 people in the business, um, obviously paid um you know, a decent amount of money for it. And, and therefore I wanted to kind of um, put my put my name against, if you like, Luke, um, and kind of take the lead um, from a PSR perspective. Um, it's so far away from all our other offices. It wasn't like it was down the road and I've got multiple people to, to support on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, I put the commitment out early doors, spoke to the wife about it. 
And hence, I've been here three stroke four days a week since um, first week of March, but really enjoying it at the same time. And what is it you're mainly enjoying about that kind of is what is it that's exciting you? Because obviously you have got lots of great people around you that you could ask them to go and do it, but you've chosen to yourself. What is it you're enjoying about it most? So, I mean, for me, quite simply, it's, it's like going back 12, 15 years in our business when we had um the sorts of numbers that's in SYK that say 20 staff. I, I remember that environment of being 20 staff and all the pitfalls you had and uh, and everything like that. And fortunately for me, I've gone I've gone through those in the last 15 years. So I can see what good looks like now. And I'm I'm proud of where we are with PSR. But I, I can understand where SYK have struggled over the last three, four years, that their sales figures have have gone backwards over the last four years and and me being the outsider in there I can understand why that's happened but hopefully with my experience of what's happened at PSR it sounds quite straightforward but I should be able to help um, help turn it around and put some processes in place and yeah give them the right support that I think they were lacking beforehand. So you mentioned there James rewind 12-15 years when you first started yeah. Where where did the idea come from for you to kind of create your own organisation, especially in recruitment? Um, well, I mean, I had five years recruitment experience, um, a big national um, construction recruiter, but I think the I, I think I always had the burning desire Luke, to to go on my own, if you like. Um, I think that was born out of um, my father had his own business my my older brother he had his own business and recruitment and I know you know a little bit about recruitment then Luke it's as close as you can get to running your own business it, it's it's you know 75% commission based therefore what you put in you get up you get out and I think I just got to that stage after five years of being employed that I thought to myself not overly happy with the kind of direction the current company is going in and therefore at the time I was young enough and thought actually um let's take that leap of faith and um you know yeah there's been there's been difficult times I'm sure for for anybody um owning and running a business and everything like that and some major hurdles and some major failures um at the end of the day um we have you know I've made mistakes and we've made mistakes as a business but um you know, one of the things coming back to where we are now is, is, is you know, you learn from those mistakes. So hopefully you don't repeat them, repeat them again in the future, don't you? And that's wonderful. You've now got the opportunity to go into a company and remember 12, 15 years ago, the things that you did do wrong that you're not going to do again and to, to fast track that success. And we always talk about on here, the, the stories we hear from different people that success leaves clues and you're using your own clues now to make mm-hmm. sure that you fast track the success of the new business. Um, what yeah. what business did your dad have, James? What was he, he had, into? Yeah, uh, yeah, very different. It was financial services and insurance broker. Um, we're based in Stafford. He had a smallish office, about 20 staff in, um, in Birmingham, central Birmingham. And it was almost quite ironic, Luke, because my, my father passed away 25 years ago. But the um, his legacy business was two doors away from where I worked in Birmingham um, really? at that 15, 20 years ago. So I, I still saw some people that 
my dad used to work with, you know, if I was wow. out for a sandwich or something like that. So yeah, they still, um, still remember them and they remember me and everything like that. So yeah. What was it like growing up? Because growing up with a dad that runs a company, because now you are a dad that runs a company. How was it yeah. for you? Was it just watching your dad being relentless or how was it? Um, I, I think my biggest take home was um, the hard work. That's the major one I, I got from a work ethic. Um, I, I, and I think at the same time, um, I remember thinking, I've got great upbringing, you know, I, you know, yes, it, it wasn't like a majorly hugely successful business, but it was a, you know, he had his own business and therefore he could dictate his lifestyle around that. You know, we, we had nice holidays. We had a, a, a cottage in North Wales. So we had luxuries that not Joe Bloggs would, would perhaps uh, come across them, but it was very much a, that work ethic, he, I, I could see the fact that he would work hard. You know, Birmingham is, let's say, 45 minutes down the road. And I remember thinking as a, you know, a 10, 12, 14-year-old that, you know, my dad's having his tea at half past nine at night. And that was just quite normal for him because he wouldn't get home from work till eight o'clock. And by the time he's, you know, he, he sat there having his dinner at nine o'clock and I've eaten at half past five like every normal person with my mom and my elder brother or something like that so I did think to myself there's a work ethic there that he perhaps didn't get the balance right that I guess we all probably strive for but um it was my biggest take home anyway and what was when you look at the balance what have you learned from observing your dad in terms of balance yeah I I, I that point that he did get it wrong. I think Luke, he, he certainly didn't, um, he didn't spend enough time perhaps during the week um, at home than, than perhaps he should have done. Um, hence his life was cut short and, you know, I'm sure he had goals for the future, but you know, life is so precious and he didn't get to um, enjoy those goals. So, um, you know, yeah, it is a big take home that, you know, kind of the old analogy you take every day as it comes and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, you never know what's around the corner. It's only one life, all that sort of stuff. But I think it's important to look at what you've got the here and now, because, you know, my daughter turned 13 this week and it's just literally 13 years have flown by. But at the same time, I, I look back at the memories we've had and shared in that period of time. And I think actually, yeah, you know, I do work hard, but at the same time, I've I try and make sure I'm there for certain parts of my family life that, that, that are crucial. And do, do you ever catch yourself, James, being so driven and ambitious? You know, you just acquired another business. Do you ever catch yourself maybe going too far and, and you kind of quickly give yourself a check or does your wife give you the check for you? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a compromise there somewhere, I think. Um, I think the biggest issue... I'm sure everybody listening um, would probably um, agree with this because of technology, how it is nowadays. It's so easy to get lost in the moment of, well, I'm sat watching a family film on a Saturday night when I should be having a laugh with the family, but I find myself with the phone in my hand thinking, oh, I've just remembered that. I set, set myself a reminder so I can do that Monday morning. And before you know it, 
I'm half watching a film and I'm half working and, and it's seven o'clock on a Saturday evening. So that's difficult to, to kind of um, really park um, to, to one side. Certainly, I think if you're owning or running a business in a senior position there where you, you know, if you get ideas in your head, you, you know, you've got to kind of write them down and not forget them or anything like that, because, you know, they're the probably important ones that you actually want to action. And, you know, often in the moment, everyone's running around and people are after your attention, everything like that. It's the away time from work that is is perhaps the thinking time anyway. What what do you do now to have that away time? Do you do, what what kind of things do you get up to? Uh, I like the golf. I like I like kind of sporting activities. But that's it. Sound though, Luke. I I do as much thinking time when I'm mowing the lawn, for example, on work because. You know, I can't hear any outside noises or anything like that other than the mower. And um, and it probably takes me about an hour to, to, to mow the garden. But at the same time, how many times? I, I, loads of times where, where I've finished and I've gone, right, on Monday, I'll do this, this and this. So um, uh, I do kind of use that, that those, I don't know, hours here, there and everywhere to kind of reflect on where I am, what's going what's going on in my life and everything like that. But yeah, I think the good thing about recruitment though um, is actually half five, six o'clock or whatever it is on a Friday, you're not really going to hear from a candidate or client or anything like that. You might have the odd call message from a a staff member, but you can actually switch off, um, you know, majority of time evenings and weekends. And um, that was probably a draw to, office-like work and recruitment work because I worked um, a little bit in the leisure industry growing up as a kid. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, working in a leisure center, I can't do this. And I thought I wanted to do that. As soon as you work out, actually, while everyone else else is having fun, I'm um, I'm putting 50p in the the lockers for people, wherever it is at the the local uh, gym, yeah. Isn't it amazing though, like you said there, when I said, what do you do for that space or what do you do? You, you talked about an, an activity where you think about your business, you think about reflecting because I've noticed that most people I meet and speak to that run a business that really love it and are passionate about it, it's just, even if they're looking out the window, they're thinking of an idea or they're thinking of something and it's quite different that I think if you work within a company and you do finish at five and your phone doesn't ring, you, you maybe can switch off, but when you are really passionate, it doesn't feel like it ever stops, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, no, and I think that's the passion, though, because, it, you know, and I'm sure you've all heard the analogies about working for, for your passion, everything like that, and therefore it doesn't feel like work. It, it, it's certainly my passion, therefore it doesn't feel like work. And, and if I'm thinking, right, you know improvement and that sort of stuff then um yeah it's probably easily and you know i I don't think the wife would even notice that what's going through my head at this time or anything like that don't really talk about work with you know my friends or family or anything like that because you know i just think they're not they're not going to need to know or they don't want to know or anything like that and you know that's probably my breakaway from work anyway that I've spoke about work all day or something like that. 
don't need to regurgitate it out um, at eight o'clock at night or anything <laughs> like that. And, and what is it you think that you are so passionate about? Like, is it recruitment? Is it growing a team of people? Is it to give you the lifestyle that you want? What is it you really are passionate about? Um, so I, I, I haven't got an end game per such, Luke. Uh, I was asked that question about eight, nine years ago. What's the, what's the end game? What's the end game? And I didn't know then, and I don't know now, is the honest answer. But the passion and the drive comes from that improvement. Um, I'm not kind of saying I want to be the best and I want PSR to be the best. And, you know, I will not stop and nothing will get in the way or anything like that. But I certainly see how we can improve all the time. And that's probably the ultimate driver to go that, that you know, don't look at almost analogies of the marginal gains and that sort of stuff. But I do always think about improvement and self-improvement and business improvement and everything like that. And, and that's why I love this SYK, because it's almost like, you know, simple little things are big things up here but but because i've gone on that journey through through the psr kind of um era let's say um it's very noticeable so yeah lots of things that i guess we would take for granted for that that just in a normal and i I think syk over a normal business just just don't happen i suppose so yeah, yeah there's, and, I think there's, there's a driver there to yeah improve, self-improve all the time. I think Luke. And what what have you done? So when you look back now to when you first set up your business, what have you done to improve you? Has it been your network? Has it been education, or has it been a combination? What would you say is taking you from that kind of naive guy that's in a company that goes, "I'm going to do this myself," to now sat here running such a successful company as you do? And buying another one through lockdown when everybody else is kind of, you know, panicking, you're investing and growing. What's some yeah. of the things that you've done early on in your career to, to educate and develop yourself as a leader, as a business owner? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not afraid to ask. He's probably uh, the major one. I've not done too much on the um, self-development education. I don't read overly uh, much, Luke. Um but I'm not afraid to ask and I'm not afraid to use my network and even my network within PSR or my network externally, Um, you know, like mutual friends of ours, like David Baldwin and and people like that, that I think I can, I can ask Dave a question and I've got, I don't know, five or six people like a Dave Baldwin that I've got no problem picking up the phone and go, right, you're not in recruitment, but what do you think about this as an external um, point of view? We, we had it one with the other day about flexi learning, thinking, you know, LinkedIn and PSR is full of that conversation. I want to want to investigate what else is out there. And, you know, I think I've improved by listening and taking advice from a small circle of people that I trust. So um, I think... I think certainly a big take home for PSR is, is kind of surrounding yourself with good people and putting, you know, trusting them and vice versa, trust, um, trust back the other way. And I think that's really got us to, to where we are today, I suppose. And, and me personally, I think um, yeah. those people know um, 
you know, and they kind of come along the journey as well. And they might not have nothing to do with business or anything like that. But the the key personnel, I think, around me that, that I trust, because, yeah, you can't listen to some of those outs, out, you know, outside noises, so to speak. Because I think if you if everyone wants to give their opinion, they probably will, don't they? But, I'm, you know, I can listen. And I think listening is actually probably one of my, my good skills and, and strengths. But how much probably goes in one ear and out the other to a certain certain group, let's say. But, but one group I'm probably um, keen on. Yeah, and I think that was definitely something I noticed about you. I think in our first meeting with me, me, you and David and John Burks that are obviously very close to you, I don't think you hardly spoke because I noticed, and I noticed that you spoke about David Baldwin too. You, he, he and he'll be the quietest person in most meetings. He just listens, just like you. I noticed when we first met, you, you hardly spoke. You just listened and listened, and maybe at the end you start to articulate questions and writing things down. And too often people want to be the voice in the room, but how can you learn if you're constantly the voice? And I, I definitely have noticed that in you in, in lots of meetings, but also when me and you have had conversations, you, you, you ask something, but then you take the space to listen to the answer. Yeah. And, and you've often made me feel, James, that when you rang me about anything, I feel comfortable to say whatever I feel my answer rather than thinking, you might not yeah. like this. You know? yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You've heard that classic one, which I, it stuck with me. There's there's two of these and one of these as well. And I think that's, little things like that have probably stuck with me as well. Yeah. And I think that the listening one is important, Luke. Absolutely, yeah. And how do you manage that, James, when somebody may be talking to you and you know, you're not actually liking, you like, you don't, you're not enjoying what they're coming with. How do you manage to sit back and just absorb it and, and stay because you, you always stay calm. I've never seen you like look like you're gonna flip or you just how do you manage to do that? Just sometimes have you ever sat there thinking, I'm really not having this, I'm really not happy with this, but you've managed to just stay in that zone of calm, collective, and then respond. Um I don't know. I think I've I don't know, I think I've just always been like that. I think um uh I know calm has come up as a as a trait of mine, so to speak. So I probably don't know anything else. I, I certainly see the hot-headed people, and I know recruitment was probably renowned for, for years ago with phone slamming and all that sort of stuff. But you know, I've never done that. Um, I don't think there's hugely amount you 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 achieve from that. Um, I'm kind of fully aware that you know it might not be what I say and you know, it's how I do it and that sort of stuff as well. So as much as people, you know, probably looking about how I operate and, and everything like that. So I'm probably mindful of it anyway, Luke, but I don't know, that's probably something that I've just, I've just always, always been like, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly want to get involved in all the conversations, but mm. I'm happy to, you know, come in at the right time, if you like, rather than like you say, perhaps, perhaps constantly lead. And I was so impressed of how calm and composed you was through lockdown when lockdown first reached and all of a sudden you've got a hundred plus team members working from home. You, the whole world's changing. And every time I spoke to you, you was just really composed with it. And you seem to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, you was always thinking about what can we do rather than what can't we do and how yeah. can we adapt? 
how can we shift? Because how did you cope through that time? Because I know you were supporting many people that was going through a distressing time with obviously your recruitment, people are losing commissions, they're down on their revenue, you've got businesses going bankrupt that you may be working with. How did you take care of yourself and stay so composed? Um, I, I think at the time I just put it into reality of, you know, almost the, you know, keeping it simple, let's control what you can control, external factors like a pandemic and that sort of stuff. No, I, I'm, you know, might be good, but I'm not that good that I'm going to stop COVID-19 or anything like that. That I made there about trust, you know, I'm looking at our business and thinking to myself, I've got some great people in the business. You know, I've got the belief that we can beat this. And, you know, if we, with what, with, you know, I think the first, my first Zoom meeting with all staff was we've worked damn hard to get you guys into this business and recruit and train and mentor and everything like that. The last thing we want to do now is let anybody go. And therefore, and therefore it was always about we can do this and we can do this together and a bit of, I don't know, a bit of self-belief and a bit of actually we're too good, not arrogance, but we're too good to let this beat us or anything like that. And um, almost the foot analogy, you take each day as it comes and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and all of a sudden you blink and we're talking about roadmaps out of the first lockdown and everything like that. And, you know, uh, and then when you you go into lockdown again, it was like, well, we we know now we've got so much data and information and everything like that. We know how we can come out the next one because we'll come out the first one. Um, yeah. And and then the I don't know the momentum gets behind it, and I don't know what was I don't know. You go from April was our biggest dip to May, and and everything like every deal became more and more important because it helped that roadmap for PSR. And we just kind of weirdly almost mirrored, mirrored the government to think actually, well, we'll build back up as it builds back up and, and everything like that. So it's kind of strategic. I mean, of course the furlough and all that sort of stuff, strategic in terms of how we operated, but it was um, key reliance on the personnel as well to actually put in place and, you know, and, um, obviously you and I can see Porsche on the call as well, uh, you know, help that along the way. So yeah, it was really, yeah. really good. And what would you say now from the start of lockdown to now, how would you describe your business in terms of when we went into lockdown to now coming out, do you feel that you're stronger because of things that you've done? <laughs> Have you got new revenue streams or how would you describe it in terms of progress? So uh, I think from a from a figures perspective, we're 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 not bigger by any stretch or, or anything like that. But have we grown as individuals? And that's not just me. That's lots of people in the business. And I bet I bet you they all can say that. So I think they would feel that they're that bit more invincible. That actually we've actually we've learned so much to deal with all these issues that have been bombarded to us and if we've overcome that well you know you know the, the next 10 years should be should be boom time for everyone because we've really put ourselves in a really good position to take advantage and you know 
I guess the size that we are, loyalty goes a huge way and it's all well and good kind of attracting staff, but maintaining that level uh, and everything like that, it gives us that kind of springboard to go forward now then. And yeah, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm excited everything that we've achieved, but I'm more excited about the next 10 years because yeah, I can just see really good things. And, you know, again, I'll come back to that, that point on me. I haven't got that definitive end goal for me, but um, I, I, I get my kick off seeing others do really, really well. And cause I know that's adding to the overall picture and everything like that. So when I still yeah. hear the bell being rang in an office because someone's done a deal or something like that, then, then yeah, I'm kind of thinking, well, brilliant. That's that's great news, yeah. And who'd have thought at the start of the the lockdown that you'd have been buying a business on the way out of it? Sorry, Luke. Say that again. I said, imagine who'd have thought, James, at the start of the first lockdown that coming out of lockdown this time round, you'd have been acquiring a new business as well. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was just something that we, we thought we're in it. We've put ourselves in a really good position. Um, you know, we've obviously grown every year and if we hadn't grown to the size that we had pre pandemic, then yeah, we wouldn't have put ourselves in a position to be able to, to um, go into the acquisition market or anything like that. But we did and we have, and like you say, sometimes you've got to take that, these chances in life don't you and you know i didn't go in with a completely blind we did you know long hours we had conference calls on christmas eve and everything like that with five people on the call and um it was it was the right time for us absolutely and um it's early days but you know what um so far so good so take us back then james because i love the early beginning when you when you're working for that company that you're not overly enjoying it and you you decide you're going to set up for yourself. What what was that like setting up? Did you have some financial backing? Did you have a partner or did you just literally walk out the door and set up and off you go? Um, so no financial backing. Uh, I did sell, I, I did buy one of those Z4s and I sold that actually. So that was probably my financial backing that I had. Um, <laughs> and I bought a thousand pound Renault Laguna from a Z4 and I was thinking to myself, I'm not sure... I'm probably too old before my time because I think I was probably only about 26 at the time. Um, but no, I, I, I got that sense that I could do it, Luke. Um, and I went to set up my own business. Didn't know what it was going to be called on my own because, yeah, my, my dad had his own business. My brother had his own business. And um, I told my top, my top tier, if you like, when I was at Hill McGlynn, I told my team leaders, that I was going off to go and do it on my own. And tomorrow I'm going to have my notice in, but I'd asked them to stay late on a Thursday night and um, to talk to them directly. So I, I felt I owed it to them to give them the heads up before I handed my notice in, so to speak. And, um, and one of my team leaders um, said, um, are you shooting off? Because um, let's go for a beer. And we went for a beer that night and we had a game of Paul Crossroad. Um, and he said, um, right, if you're leaving, I'm coming with you. And in that kind of split second, two beers in and, and losing at Paul, I thought, actually, he's good. I rate him and yet kind of let, let's do it. Uh, and, and 
you know, yes, we started that journey together. It was myself and a lad called Mark Palmer, who is no longer in the business now. But back then, I think it was a good decision. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, who knows what that future might look like if I had just gone me, myself and I. But I think I look back at the time and I think me and Mark worked well together. We bounced off each other and all of a sudden it gave us that springboard to ha- perhaps get, you know, uh, up and running that little bit quicker, really, with with two of us putting fees on the board, if you like, gave us a platform to hire our first app member and everything like that. So it kind of started escalating from there, really. So that first year, James, can you remember? I know you, you've got a great attention to detail. Can you remember that first year, your business turnover? Uh, yeah, I can. Six, 68,000 £68, pounds was our first year that we did. And, and, and that's not great at all, uh, Luke. And, and there was times in that that I thought, oh God, I, I probably used to build over 200 grand on my own on a perm desk and year one was 68 grand. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, um, I don't know, I can do better, we can do better. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, Luke, um, I'd done five years quite hard graft uh, at Hill McGlynn um, did I take it as serious as I should have done on day one? Probably not. We we probably tried to combine uh, a bit of a lifestyle business with, with a business. And I'll be honest, that was probably led by Mark Palmer because he he, he was certainly one that, let's say, uh, enjoyed, enjoyed a beer, enjoyed a game of golf, you know, enjoyed all these other things, perhaps more so than the work and, you know, <laughs> did he lead me astray? Probably a little bit. Um, but yeah, certainly there the, the, the came a time when I was like, right, we're not starting at 10. We're starting at eight. We're going to put a shirt on. And then, you know, perhaps I kind of dictated that because I think we both started off as titles of director. Um, and it was, I think we'd only got two members of staff. And I, I said, right, Mark, I want to be the MD. Um, um and he was like, okay, why? And I went, right, for all these reasons, blah, blah, blah. And he said straight away, yeah, that's no problem. Um, so even though we were 50-50 shareholders in the business, I felt like that was a turning point for me and PSR, that I was the one that started to think a little bit more business-like, if you like, and a little bit more strategic back then. So, yeah, yeah. it was, it was um, a learning curve, should we say, but but certainly one that we thought actually let's let's knuckle down and let's get off the golf course and let's let's start recruiting. I suppose. Well, living living that that party lifestyle doesn't work when you're in a Renault Laguna, does it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Certainly does not. Certainly does not. No. So no. you started no. to then get your business head on and think, you know what? Now we've taken a step. I'm going to make it work. So what year was that? Your first year. 2005 was our first year so it was probably yeah 18 months um 18 months in so uh we started in the september 2005 by about the march um 07 we were like right let's hire our first member of staff um and then you know Within two months after the first, we got the second. Um, and then the third person, good friend of ours, Luke, um, John Burks, walked into our business as, as an old friend of mine from pre-recruitment and at Hill McGlynn. And um, again, John gave us um, 
the 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 kick we needed back then when I think he was I think we were a, te- a small team of five back then. Yeah, amazing. So I want you to give us a hard hitting figure here because these are the ones that brings it into context. And I always like these little stories because this just shows how fast you've grown from £68,000 a year with a Renault Laguna in, <laughs> in, in 2005. What's PSR Solutions turnover today? Uh, well, pre, pre-pandemic, we were £49 million. Um, in post-pandemic, I think we, we dropped £10 million. So, yeah, I think we were back to about £39 million. But yeah, I think I think the projection this year is is I think Ben Perkins still working on this. It's something in the region of about sixty million um, that we're looking for this year. So yeah, uh, a big leap ahead, should we say, then from where we were? And certainly a, <laughs> leap, a, big a leap, leap ahead from sixty-eight thousand uh, pounds as well. Yeah, hey, that's a great title: sixty-eight thousand pounds to sixty-eight million in fifteen yeah. years. Yeah, that would be yeah. a great headshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some growth. Absolutely. Yeah. But but I say it to everyone. I've not achieved that. Uh, you know, we've achieved it. I'm not the one that's that's done, you know, revenue turnover of 68 million pounds. There's, there's lots and lots of people that have contributed to that. And if they can feel part of that and part of the journey that they're invested as well, then absolutely. Yeah. And when you sit here now and you talk about this and you remember the selling the Z4 and getting the, the next vehicle and, you know, you're getting started work at 10 a.m. and you, you're not really putting the work in and bringing in 68K to now sitting here going projections at 60 million. Do you ever catch yourself thinking, crikey, I've actually, I've actually done this from what I set out to do on that day that I walked out of that company. I've actually done what I set out to do and it's still going. Yeah, uh, I didn't use to have those reflection times um but i perhaps have so more in the last five years luke um i think it's always good to look back i think everyone's obviously reflected over the last 12 months but i think even even before that we were reflecting on where we've come from and how we've done it and everything like that because yeah that's, that's the learning curve for us um and there has been a okay, you know occasions where we certainly said, we haven't said we've arrived or anything like that, but actually there's been times where we, you know, gone out and bought a bottle of champagne and say, actually, we should celebrate success because we worked damn hard for this. And yet certain occasions where, I don't know, yeah, we've celebrated friends, family, work colleagues. It doesn't really matter who with. I think it's sometimes, yeah, taking that, that, that reflection back because like you say, if you don't and don't enjoy the journey and everything like that, you know, could, could all be for, for nothing. As I know, was, you know, my, my father probably um, had too much of that wrong balance. Yeah. And what do you think your, your, your father would be looking at now and seeing you of all you've learned from him and what you've achieved? What, what, what kind of guy was he? What would he be saying to you and thinking now, do you think? Um. have you done that <laughs> right he was probably he's probably quite you know probably old school father of 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 not nothing's good enough but always want improvement anyway um you know he used to watch me play football and and certainly it was never anything that I'd done well it was always probably what you should have done and could have done so I'm sure he would have been um always looking at the next 
you know, looking ahead rather than perhaps, you know, patting my back. Probably one one pat on the back and two, two uh, uh, hits around the head about looking forward, I suppose. So uh, I'm sure, you know, I'd like to think you'd be proud of, you know, what, what myself, my brother have achieved and everything like that. Um, he, he was a, he was quite a clever guy. I remember thinking that, um, you know, all the, you know, could do a crossword, you know, within minutes and all that sort of stuff. So I remember thinking, um, you know, he's a clever guy and, you know, kind of get to where he is and everything like that. I haven't got his brains, but hopefully, um, you know, from a business acumen of um, hopefully um, made him proud. Yeah. Brilliant. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure you have too, even, and I, and I totally get that regarding the culture. It's, it, to say just well done, it isn't, is it? It's well done, but you could have just done, what if, if you'd have done that as well, you, who knows what else you could have got to. And, and, and as you sit there now and you talk about looking forward, and I know you said earlier that you haven't really got an end game. How do you see your role within the business? How do you see your development now moving forward as you're acquiring more businesses? Because I know you're very hands-on clearly because you're right in the thick yeah. of things again at, um, at the new company. How do you yeah. see your role progressing and what do you want your future to look like? Yeah, so um, using this SYK as the example, I think if I can go in there, make the difference and and I learn a lot, then I think I can pass those learnings on to other people within the business. And therefore, if it was another type of business or hopefully the next acquisition because i know this is early days but i think we've got the almost the bug if you like for looking at other opportunities in the future then i don't see it being me as the point of contact but i see me supporting someone else about actually this is how i tackle you know that that intro meeting when you first meet the whole team and you know the individuals this is what you want to say you know think about and everything like that so if i can pass that learning on to other people within the business, um, you know, great. I, I can start perhaps being a little bit more strategic and, and yeah, going back to the things that, you know, I love doing. But I'll give you the classic example, Luke, is um, because I'm invested in this business here, I was doing um, a, a consultant's business plan today, which is something we do with all our staff and everything like that. And I love doing these business plans because this is a consultant who, you know, has been there four years, you know, might only bill 120 grand a year. And it's about him and his area work and sexual business. And we had probably an hour and a half meeting with him, which he's never had before in like six years. But I was like asking him questions. How do you do this? How can you do that? And I'd like to think I got as much out of it as he did because I could see his almost need and love for the job and actually I can do this I can do that and everything like that and all of a sudden I, I know he left the room excited about the future so I'm kind of thinking to myself we've got to cock up for that not to deliver from here on in so I've almost going like well there's one that's taken care of you know yeah we, you know that's that's you know and you know obviously the plan doing that with more and more people um is is yeah it's what what i what i enjoy i suppose but i don't know for me after this you know i i do think the more people that step up within the business luke then then perhaps yeah the more time i can perhaps um 
maybe spend you know maybe an extra round of golf um <laughs> work it into my week and that sort of stuff as well but yeah i've certainly certainly got the uh, the hunger and drive myself anyway and do you have a do you have any um i know you you're a very competitive guy very driven very ambitious have you got something in mind that you're you're looking to do you have like we want to reach a hundred million pounds turnover and then that's a target that we've reached because I know there'll be a next target and a next target, but what is it you're really going for in terms of revenue or amounts of people that you want to have in your company? What targets have you got in front of you at the moment? So we have got that target. Yeah. So um, we are six years into our 10 year business plan. So um, we, we put that business plan in place in 2015 because we'd achieved a five-year business plan, um, we'd achieved that a year early, and I'd uh, so it's 2015. I turned 40, and and again from a milestone perspective, I was thinking, what does 10 years look like? And if we can take this business from here to there, and I get to 50, well then, does it give me choices and options um, when when I'm at 50, which which would be a great number for me to get to? And yeah, so way back then when i think we had 50 staff i think it was um in 2015 or just got to 50 staff yeah we put in uh, kind of five key milestones they're not they're not necessarily purpose driven milestones they're all around numbers but to us it was it was quite easy to memorize those numbers and we do talk about them and um, we talk about them every year at conference we talk about them at our half yearly conferences as well, just to keep people on track. Um, yeah. And that is, yeah, to take the business to a hundred mil turnover business um, with uh, 150 staff generating 20 million pounds in gross margin and 5 million pounds in net profit. Amazing. So uh, that was, I think the, the last one was six offices. And I think we, we perhaps achieved that in the first four years, I think it was, or five years. So yeah. We're one down and four left to go, but we're, you know, it's like anything, even when we, we achieved the, the first business plan, we were behind the eight ball for the first two years and then caught up and I dare say six years in with, with COVID and everything like that, we're not completely where we want to be on our trajectory line, but I still back ourselves to get to those numbers um, in the next four years. Yeah. Yeah, I love the quote, James, the same for the moon, reach the stars. And, you know, it, it, uh, I heard a speaker once say, it's not, it's, not aiming, it's not aiming high and missing, it's aiming low and reaching you want to be scared of. And I think that's so true, isn't it? Because if you was aiming for 70 million, would you just reach 45, 50 and be sat there? It's like the more you stretch, it seems to be the more that you can get from yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Did you sit there, you know, when you talk about a 10-year plan, did you go to the end of 10 years and go, right, that's the figure, that's what we want to get, and then work back to where you are? Is that how you did it, or what was your strategy? Yeah, yeah it was really as simple as that, Luke, it was. It, yeah. it worked back year in year. So even 10 years ago, we were plotting where we want to be from a turnover gross margin perspective, and you know we, we've, we've shared that graph, uh, and we continue to share that graph going, that's the ideal, and this is where we are uh, uh, along the way so yeah i don't know that was just that was just us thinking right it. we need we need you know you know breaking it down into um you know yield per head thinking right well 
you know, 10 new recruits per year should turn X, Y, Z. And if we do this and we do that, I, I think fundamentally it sounded quite simple six years ago. Of course, reality hits in and you think, well, when we were 45, 50 staff and we thought we had the infrastructure in place to get to where we wanted to, well, then when we got to, say, 80 staff, we realised we weren't fit for purpose. Um, and I think we had a, a bit of a sticky period perhaps three years ago when we are like, actually, we kind of just need to reset a little bit and go, we, we'd got to, I think, 80 um, and we perhaps didn't have the right level of infrastructure across the business. So we then kind of went almost went back to the drawing board and thinking, right, what kind of strategic positions, I don't know, client relationship manager, aftercare manager, systems manager, compliance manager, all these titles, should we say, started coming up and going, actually, if we had this in place, would that give us the, the opportunity to go again? And um, yeah, that's that's that that was that was difficult because we thought it was we thought it'd be dead easy, but no, that's that's been the, the our hardest point is trying to yeah. create a business that could take us to the levels. And yeah, we, we perhaps thought it was going to be. Um, we we thought we had it in place, and yeah, quite clearly we hadn't really. Well, it, it's really interesting to know that you you set your targets ten years in in front, and then you worked back, and then started to apply things. And what's been some of the the biggest challenges you've faced in terms of growing? amounts of people that you need to hit the revenue targets that you want uh our biggest challenge um is to keep those foundations and, and true to our word from our values because you know as much as you know I, i'm certainly not involved in every single new recruit within the business but it's it's so key that those people are hiring are on our wavelength and they stick to those those values that we operate in and you know that could be anything from formatting a cv to answering a phone call or anything like that it was easy when there was 10 or 15 of us because we all learned off each other but the bigger you get the more the more diluted it could get so yeah i think our biggest challenge is to not dilute the um the you know the high bar the high expectation doing things the right way and all that sort of stuff that's been the hardest part um and then like, like with any business, it's, um, it's finding, um, it's finding the right staff because it's easy to find, it's easy to find staff, but, but yeah, finding the right staff that fit the business. Um, and that, you know, I would say 90% of that is, is, is personality and, and that work ethic and, and everything like that really. Yeah, so it, I, I guess you can find the people to hit the numbers, but can you find the people to fit the culture that yeah, people enjoy sitting next yeah. to them as well? And they hit the numbers because you and I have spoke often about trust and performance. If you've got someone that you can trust and they perform, you are yeah. flying, aren't you then? Yeah. And it, yeah but it's absolutely. multiplying that, isn't it, time and time again? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's to keep one of the challenges as well is like you say everyone's different and everyone's own personal objectives change over the years because because like you say it's all well and good thinking our peers are established 15 years and everything like that but everyone's life changes they have family they have you know that their their rewards is buying their first house then all of a sudden 
their outlook on light changes. So it's it's difficult to keep those people on your wavelength when they might, you know, turn into that monster. And, you know, some of the stuff we can control, but other stuff we can't control, but we just need to perhaps stay to our true word. And, you know, if they start falling off our page, if you like, then we need to think about the business and not, not the complete individual. And um, you know, Nathan Hazelwood's on this call, and he'll probably know exactly those examples that we're talking about. So you've got, um, and I know we've had these conversations, but there's lots of people on here that start in their businesses, have got businesses and have the same challenges on different levels. So I'm going to give you an analogy here, James, and share your views on it, maybe from when you first started to what you've learned now. So imagine you've got a person in your business that's absolutely smashing it on fire, bringing in lots and lots of revenue, but is a real pain in the ass. How, what do you do with that? Do you just put up with it because they're bringing in lots of money for the business? Or do you think, do you know what? They might be bringing in lots of money, but they're a real pain in the ass that's affecting other people. How do you manage that dynamic? Because revenue is important for every business. And you yeah. can totally understand when somebody's flying and people are like, yeah, just let him keep flying. He's all right, yeah. let him keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What damage yeah. can that cause if you do just override that trust and that personality just for, yeah. for revenue creation? Yeah, I think I think the, the bit that I picked up on where you said there then, Luke, is the minute starts impacting others within the business. And, you know, I, I guess my role would be a coach to that that person. And, and you know, that's where, you know, you, you take them off site, you take them for a meal and you get to ask about them as individuals, their motivators and all that sort of stuff and their family circumstances. Because a lot of it sometime in an office environment is is ego and bravado and everything like that. You take them out of that situation and take them for a nice meal or something like that. And all of a sudden, the, 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 you know, oh, sorry, James, sorry, this, sorry, that. So there's, there's a coaching element that I think you can get into people's head and actually get them to see what you're trying to achieve. And if they want to be part of the journey, well, then they'll be part of the journey. Um, but like you say, if they then go, actually it's about myself or how I operate and that is affecting the bigger picture of the business, the office or the team or anything like that, then yeah, you do have to put the business over revenue. Absolutely. And yeah, we've, we've probably had three cases in 15 years where that's, that's happened. Um, but like you say, in, if that was, our first member of staff, there's not really that much damage they could do, but as the mm. bigger bigger we get, the, the more damage they could perhaps do. Um, um, so yeah, it, it's about managing. If I was starting off and um, my third employee was right paying the ass, but he bought in all the money, well, I'd, I'd, I'd use that money to good, you know, to get the right personnel in. And, and, and when that's up and running, go, actually, mate, you're not right for us, but, but you know, yeah. it's worked for you and it's worked for me. So we're uh, good looking, uh, you know, off you go. But even with these people that have left the business, you know, I, I'd have a drink with them now because I'd, I'd be very honest with them and say, listen, we were on that journey. If you, you, you chose not to be on that journey, I gave you, not necessarily warnings, but I gave the opportunity to be on board and, um, you, you obviously, um, you didn't fancy it. I think it's great that you give people that opportunity, that chance to 
make them aware of how they're being. And also because I think sometimes people are maybe being in a way that they're not, they're not aware of. Yeah, if you give them the opportunity by sharing with them how potentially they are coming across and the effect, lots of people will want to shift that behavior because they don't want to be that person, but they've got into that trap of focusing on how much money they can create or whatever that trap is. And I think that's great that you give them the opportunity. And if they don't, then it's like, well, you know, there's nothing more we can do. This just this relationship doesn't work any longer. Absolutely, James, yeah. you know what? I, we, we've spoke for 60 minutes and and I feel, and I just looked at that. I'm like, I feel like we're just getting started because there's so much, and nobody's left to watch the football either. And I can see no screens flashing, so we've done really well. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast. I'd be really honoured, grateful, and super appreciate any shares and subscribes possible. Please give this to any family, friends, and loved ones anywhere in the world that you feel could take value from what you've just heard too. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to speaking to you real soon on the next episode. From me to you, have a wonderful day. Take care. All my love, energy, inspiration. Luke Staten.